Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Carlos Ini, also known as Insane in the Rain Music. Carlos began his career when he was 14 years old, putting up remixes on YouTube of music of video games. At first, mostly on piano and saxophone, and then he began learning literally as many instruments as he could. It's amazing. Carlos has uh, stepped away from being a cover artist and has written many original compositions. So uh, you'll meet Carlos in a few minutes. He'll talk about his career as a remixer and his career as a composer. Just a couple of announcements first, though. Make sure you join us on our free Discord server. There are patron perks within the server itself, but anyone and everyone can join the general chat rooms and such. You'll find the link to our Discord in the show notes. And you can find a video of my chat with Carlos up on YouTube. And uh, patrons have access to a special playlist that Carlos created of some of his favorite deep cuts from music from games. Do subscribe to the YouTube channel so you don't miss uh, what we're posting there. And please do become a patron if you can. Benefits start at $2 a month. All right, here's Carlos. everybody, my name is Carlos Eni, also known as Insane in the Rain Music Online. I've been, I'm probably best known for making vi- j- jazz arrangements of video game music on YouTube for, I think this will be, this will be the 10th year of, of having that channel and having <laughs> creations up there. I started when I was 14 years old um, making videos. I actually had a channel before that, but that's a, that's even deeper into the history. We won't, won't need to go there. Um, <laughs> So uh, I spent most of my time just learning a whole bunch of instruments. I'm primarily a saxophonist and a piano player, but over time and over the years of making videos, I've just picked up and learned a whole bunch of other things, mainly for fun. Um, Trumpet, drums, bass, accordion, uh, guitar, mandolin, you name it. I probably have something that's very closely related to it somewhere in my background here. Um, And these days I'm not making YouTube videos as frequently as I was and more uh, honestly honestly I have I really have no clue what exactly I'm doing I don't think anybody really does when you really boil it down but Very I'm attempt I'm attempting <laughs> attempting to you know do some more original music and um, work in game audio as a composer professionally um, who knows how long that will last but for now that's what's interesting to me and I'm going to do that. Um, until it becomes no longer interesting. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and you you have you, sorry, I just banged my mic, so I got to start that question over again for the audio version. Uh, you have though made videos of your original compositions. So, are you mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. literally not wanting to put up any more videos at all, or are you still going to perhaps make videos of your original music too? Oh yeah, there will there there will be videos of original music. Um, okay, that stuff is. I still think YouTube is a good place to share that and also other platforms. Like, I, I mean, I primarily started on YouTube, but um, it's not like I'm just like specifically only posting on YouTube. I also yeah. have stuff on Spotify and other platforms mm-hmm. as well. Um, but I think it's just, a, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll share it. Um, there hasn't been a whole lot of it right now because most of the stuff I'm working on is under the under the the lovely game music NDA, right? Nice. Where everything everything is due now comes out in like one and a half to three years in the future. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 such 
it's like such the opposite side of the spectrum for making a YouTube video, which is so mm-hmm. fascinating and so difficult for me, at least at the beginning it has been. Because with, with YouTube, I could have an idea on a Tuesday and say, I want to do this song this way. And then I would sit there feverishly working Tuesday through Friday. Then it would come out on Saturday. And then I would he- see people's reactions to it on Saturday. That's <laughs> like four days. Meanwhile, the game music, you write a song, then the, um, the, the main dev might say, oh, this is great. People are going to like it. And then you wait a year and a half or longer until people actually get to hear it. (laughs) And you can't Um, tell anyone about it either, right? (laughs) Yeah, depending on the specifics of the agreement, sometimes you can't tell. Like, you you might not even say, like, you could just say, I have vaguely been making music that you will enjoy. That's, like, all you can say, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, So when, I mean, I... This always happens to me. I have a thousand questions I want to ask all at once. But I will start <laughs> with, um, you know, you said piano and saxophone. Mm-hmm. You, you know, on your website, you're like, I'm a professional level on piano and saxophone. And all these other yeah. instruments, you're tremendously passable, right? Like, you <laughs> yeah, know, I'll I mean. Take, I'll take passable. I go for yeah, passable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, passable enough that you'll record yourself playing, cl- well, yeah. clarinet, uh, saxophone, you should be able to play clarinet, but like trumpet, right? Trombone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when you said bass, I think what's funny to me is that I just assumed electric bass until I saw your videos. No, you're talking mm-hmm. upright bass, which is like, <laughs> that's like a whole different thing. Yeah, electric, <laughs> electric was way easier. I will say well, that yeah. my, uh, my, my, left, my left hand and my right index finger did not like the fact that I chose up uh, to play upright bass, but they've since recovered. <laughs> That's good. So, was piano first for you when you were a youngster? Yeah, piano was the first instrument that I ever played. Um, we had a family member who had an upright piano. It's actually, if, if you're watching the video version, it's this piano right here. Um, okay. That was donated to my family when I was about, oh. I think, six or seven, something like that. So, nice. it was the first instrument that ever came into my possession. And I taught myself how to play it, basically. Um, inside the bench that came with it were a whole bunch of really old, like, method books and sheet <laughs> music books, things like that. Nice. And basically through the process of trial and error and reading the books, I learned I learned how to read sheet music that way. Um, one of the funniest, like, mislearnings that I did at the very beginning <laughs> was in, in piano sheet music normally, or especially for, like, beginner sheet music, they have... Um, I think they're called like fingering numbers or finger numbers or whatever they're called. Yeah. Or like it might, it shows what, what like a, a three to play it with your middle finger. Yeah. And well, I used to think that the three meant you had to play that note three times. <laughs> <laughs> like three minutes. Okay, yeah. play this one three times and the next one two times. <laughs> like, why, are why are they making me repeat the notes so often? Oh, and then so I realized, funny. oh, that's not that's not the point. That's not what they're used for. Yeah. Um, so yeah, through that process of trial and error, I, piano is my first thing. And it's it's still where I feel the most at home out of any instrument. Really? No kidding. Yeah. Oh, interesting. So when mm. did you have formal, did you ever have formal instruction on piano? Yeah, I had piano lessons for about three years when I was in middle school. Um, okay. I studied with my my the, the church pianist at my grandma's church. Okay. I would go there once a week and um, take classical lessons. Um, I've never taken a jazz piano lesson in my life. It's all wow. just been classical stuff. So only a short stint of um, formal formal training on piano. Okay. So, I mean, because jazz, that's a whole other thing we're going to talk about for mm-hmm. sure. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so did you choose saxophone then, you know, when everybody chooses an instrument in America in elementary school or how did that work? Uh, it was close to that. So okay. my uh, 
my first introduction to wind instruments was in fifth grade band. And yeah. actually this, like you, you talk about like the butterfly effect or whatever, like when, yeah. when you make a decision that has like one impact, that impact that goes like the whole rest of your life. I actually started off wanting to play cello in the orchestra. I, oh, I, I started wow. off as a cello kid. And so then I got to the, in fifth grade, the first ever, the first orchestra session. And then I think it was because the week prior or some weeks prior, we had had um, instrumentalists come and demonstrate the various instruments to the mm -hmm. people at our school. And sure. the cello player was so good that everybody wanted to play cello. <laughs> so it, it was an orchestra with like, I don't know, like seven violins and like 14 cellos. And they wanted, <laughs> they were asking for volunteers to go to band. And I remembered that my best friend at the time was playing clarinet in band. So I said, okay, I'll go to band and I'll play the clarinet. So that's how I ended up um, playing the clarinet in fifth grade band. So mm -hmm. I started off on a reeded instrument. And then I, I remember I remember the day when I figured out how to go over the break in the clarinet, which if you're a clarinet player is like, if you're just starting off, like it is a significant challenge to figure out like what, like it's like the same fingering almost, but it's like a whole different set of notes. Like, how do I do this? And when yeah. I figured it out, I was so proud and I like showed it off to everybody in class. And like they just didn't <laughs> care. <laughs> they didn't care that I had figured out how to go above the break. It's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. So deal. I was on clarinet in fifth grade band. And then I think once um, middle school came around, I did this thing called jazz club, not jazz band. It was jazz club that met after school, okay. um, which was like a jazz ensemble where they allowed people who weren't playing like normal jazz instruments to join. And okay. I mean, like, you could, like, I think most people would say that clarinet can be a jazz instrument. Yeah. But more I like mean, in the Ellen, like certainly in the Ellington. Benny Goodman would say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But <laughs> yeah. maybe not in the sense of a beginning middle school clarinetist. So I was yeah. reading. Um, I had actually rented an alto saxophone over the summer from a music store. So I had I was basically sight transposing alto saxophone parts onto clarinet. Oh wow! Um, for that was for that, that a fourth, ensemble. right? A fourth. I don't remember. Yeah. I just, it's, <laughs> a fourth I don't, up or a fifth up. Or I don't. Something. I don't even think yeah. about it that way. I just. I just read. I don't know. I just read the notes, and, oh, it, and it sounds. It sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I always. I always did it by interval because as a trumpet player, like trumpet players have to mm -hmm. learn how to transpose because there's like trumpets in, as you know, many oh, yeah. different keys. <laughs> yeah. And yep. so you know, I was always tra transposing C trumpet, D trumpet, E flat trumpet, F trumpet, whatever. And I always oh, did goodness. it intervallically like that in my mm -hmm. head. I would just like. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny how you, how you yeah. do tricks I think for, to, to do it. I think for a situation in like that where like if you're going from like a C trumpet to a B flat trumpet, the interval is only a, like a whole step. Yeah. In, some, in my case, that's like, I think I would have to think intervallically like that because that's mm. harder as opposed to something that's like clarinet is B flat and saxophone is E flat, right? Which yeah. is like a, a fourth or fifth in whichever direction you Whichever direction, think. yeah. Yeah, so... I don't, I think I just, I, I realized that, oh, like if I, if I put my, I, th I think I thought of it more like in terms of the physical feeling of the fingers. Like if sure. I put these, if I put these three fingers down on my left hand, it plays a concert B flat on both clarinet and alto saxophone. So I oh yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so anyway, eventually in jazz band in uh, middle school, we needed a berry player. The director needed a berry player and he asked me to play berry. Yeah, I had never played berry. saxophone, yeah. Yes, baritone saxophone. Yeah. And so I played Barry sax in uh, two years of middle school jazz band. Mm -hmm. um, there's a version somewhere on the internet out there of me playing Monin by Charles Mingus. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> as, as a middle school baritone saxophone player. Uh, which is, which is, <laughs> Sweet. You know, if, if, if you know the song, it goes, bah, rah, bah. and I had so much fun playing that low yeah. flat. Um, yeah. It was great. 
And then finally in high school, uh, my director, I auditioned for the jazz band and I got into the jazz band my freshman year and they needed a tenor player who could solo because like there's a lot of solos that go to the tenor one share and I wasn't sure. afraid of playing a lot of notes um, <laughs> because I've been playing a lot of saxophone at the time. So yeah. that's why I ended up on tenor and I'm still on that one as my primary saxophone. tell you a funny story is that I have an uncle whose name is Barry Sachs. Like his last name is S A X E. Oh my For real, goodness. my uncle, my uncle Barry, Barry Sachs. <laughs> is it is it um B A R R Y? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. funny because I see people who like when I when I say Barry Sachs is the instrument, it's typically spelled B A R I. Right. Yeah. But I've seen people who have like not really known that, and I, I'm not sure if it's like technically correct. And they they when like they write Barry Sachs in like the chart, I've seen B A R R Y. Really? Sachs. Like yeah, and like and like a piece of sheet music. I think your way is the proper way. That's B A R I Sachs. Yeah, but yes. but, but Bear, Barry with the Y is funnier. It so. is funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that's amazing. So when did you start uh, loving jazz then? Because, again, this is something, you know, where, you know, you're making a way, you're making your journey in, in your mm -hmm. own way, and jazz is an interesting choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that came at some point in middle school, honestly, when I was exposed to, uh, when I was exposed to the jazz music and jazz club and jazz band. Yeah. Um, at, th at that time, I hadn't really settled on jazz specifically as being something that I really, really liked. Um, I think I think particularly like those like middle school years, like around, you know, 12 through 15 for most people is an extremely impressionable time in your music taste, which is mm -hmm. like, which is the, the science behind that is fascinating. So um, at that time, I was in, you know, I was in school playing in jazz band, but I was also playing a lot of video games at the same time just because yeah. um, that's what I did. Yeah. And I don't think the jazz hold really, like jazz really took a hold on me until like the beginning of high school. Um, and that was where I really started like actually listening to it because mm -hmm. um, I wasn't really listening much to jazz outside of class sure. in uh, middle school. And the first record that I remember getting was called um, The New Standard by, by Herbie. Oh, yeah. And I mean... That's that's a, a it's a it's a good it's a good record. Um, yeah. and in retrospect, it has Mike Brecker on it, who is like my my favorite wow. tenor player. Okay. And a really interesting thing is that that particular record is, it's like jazz versions of pop tunes, but that's that's what Herbie means by the new standard. I'm pretty sure, but mm. I didn't know that. I didn't like. I didn't have any musical knowledge of like what the original pop tunes were. Sure. Like, um, one of the originals is oh, I think it's uh, it's like a Prince tune. I don't remember what it's called, but there's a Prince tune on there, and there's an arrangement of it on that album that doesn't like. It doesn't sound like it would have come from from Prince or something like that. And yeah. you know, I can't help but wonder if that was like somehow the thing that got me into the idea of doing jazz versions of game music. Sure. I'm not really sure, but that was like yeah. the first album that got me into jazz, and I discovered more artists and 
more music and then the rabbit hole opened and here I am. <laughs> yeah. It's it's amazing to, you know, and I'm sure it is for you too, but just to listen to how your sound evolved over the many years of you putting yourself out there uh, on, on tenor and all the other mm-hmm. instruments too. But um, that's one of the things that attracted me to your music right away is mm. the sound that you have right now because... Mm. I mean, you know, for instance, if I think about my one of my personal favorite tenor players, Joe Henderson, he doesn't have a sound yeah. like that. Like your sound <laughs> blows him away. You know, like like John Coltrane <laughs> would love to have that kind of sound. And I'm not saying you're mm. John Coltrane, but I'm just saying that like the sound people get from an instrument that they're putting wind through is such mm-hmm. a unique and personal thing. Oh yeah. And however you have your setup going and however mm-hmm. you use your diaphragm or whatever your mouth shape is or whatever it is, you mm-hmm. have like this tremendously beautiful sound. And Thank I'm just, you. yeah, I just, I'd love to hear more about that. Is that something you really wanted and like drive for, or is it just something you're just like, Oh wait, I have a really good sound, you know? Well, it 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 didn't start that way. It definitely didn't start that way. And like you can actually the a super funny story is that in the entire first year of my of Insane in the Rain music, I've barely played saxophone on the channel because I hated my tone so much that I didn't <laughs> that I didn't want to record it. And it's a lot of it, piano. I, yeah, and yeah. It, well, because I just plugged in the pianos on my computer and I play it and it sounds beautiful. Plink, plink, plink. You know, it's, it was great. That was yeah. before I even knew what piano, like what a piano VST was. Let me tell you, that changed my world too. <laughs> I um, bet. But that, I think the whole, my whole concept on, on tone from saxophone, like there are certain, when it comes to sound production like that, there are certain physical things you can, that you can do. Like, there Definitely. are certain physical things of just, like, like a, a, a thing that I've realized that some other saxophonists do that I just figured out was when you tune, if you tune yourself slightly sharp, like, if you push in the mouthpiece more than you think you need to, mm-hmm. and then you just then then instead of pulling the mouthpiece out to lower the pitch you just open up as much as possible inside mm-hmm. then that that drops the pitch back down to where it's in tune but it also gives you a bigger sound sure um, just just in the mouth thing and that's like one of the one of the the things i'm aware of that i do physically but i think most of it comes from just listening to so much mm-hmm. and having that concept in your head of what the sound should sound like and mm-hmm. there are there are probably so many little physical things i do when i play Sure. To get that, to get whatever whatever my sound is right now that I'm just not really aware of, mm-hmm. but it's more. So, but I, it all comes together because I have a I'm able to like audiate or a, envision this sound that's you know like an amalgamation of some of my favorite tenor saxophonists. Like obviously Michael Brecker is probably my my favorite of all time. Michael mm-hmm. Brecker, Josh Urban, Bob Reynolds, a lot of modern modern tenor players like that, mm-hmm. and just some combination of all that plus my whatever my unique physiology is and then um just i just keep that in mind and blow and yeah that that's what comes out i i wish i had a better explanation of exactly how to do it um <laughs> well i mean if you did everybody would sound that way right i mean that's, that's why it's such a personal thing that's that's true and that's one of the one of the things about just i think things that are things that are valuable and things that are great in general, you know, tends to be difficult to achieve, right? If they were, if they mm-hmm. were easy to achieve, then they wouldn't be considered as great. Like if it yeah, was super special. easy to get. Yeah. yeah. Like I feel that way about like piano tone. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I don't mean someone, to laugh. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, like I think there's, there's, I might upset some classical pianists who are very particular about their tone, but like the nature of sound production on a piano is 
different. And I think when someone says like the the tone of their piano, it's different. It's it's a entirely different thing than the tone of like a wind mm-hmm. instrument because yeah. with the piano like you know, you just you you hit the key and the hammer works and the string vibrates and it makes a, mm-hmm. a nice enough sound. And yeah, there are things you can do to make it sound nicer, but I have a I have a lot of respect for wind players who get an amazing tone out of their instruments. Um, it's just, it's so hard and mm-hmm. um, it takes a lot of time, a lot of listening and a lot of, you know, just a, a lot of imagination. And uh, yeah, it somehow, if you put enough time in it, it comes out in the end. Do you have any sense? I mean, maybe you know exactly the number of videos you've uh, put up on YouTube. Do you know? Mm. Uh, I think it's uh, between 400 and 500. Okay, um, man. It's difficult because, like, there's... I, I I think if I look at the exact number in my video manager on YouTube, it's, like, somewhere around 500. But then I subtract, like, vlogs and other incidental things that have been uploaded to the channel that increase the video count, but not the number of, like music videos count sure. which is the main thing that i'm I, I i keep track of or i would keep track of if i was keeping track of it i guess um but it's somewhere <laughs> around there i think yeah so uh one of those videos is talking about how you're not going to do covers anymore or at least not as much <laughs> or maybe not at all mm-hmm. and um and focus on original music so we're mm-hmm. going to come back to that because i really do first want to talk about what you've been writing lately um sure. but i want to i want to make sure we circle back and just talk about what went into that decision and all mm-hmm. of those things. So that'll come up in a minute, but um, it's been so much fun to listen to to some of your original music. I know I've not heard it all, but um, uh, you've, you've got one up too that I think is probably one of the most recent ones you posted called The Neon Riverside. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that is such a neat piece of music and would have been so even without all of your annotations that you include in the video mm-hmm. to explain yeah, yeah, your yeah. thought process. But what yeah, an yeah, enjoyable yeah. piece of music. So talk about that if you would. Yeah, so that was, um, gosh, that was an interesting project. So the Neon, the Neon Riverside was written for this um, expansion that Magic, Magic the Gathering was putting together called Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. My friend Jonathan Young, who's um, he was also like a YouTuber in his own regard, um, we've known each other for a few years and he's been doing his own thing. I've been doing my own thing mostly. But he recently started working with Wizards of the Coast to put together these like soundtrack albums that go together with... Um, new Magic the Gathering expansions. And basically, uh, like a couple weeks after I had made that decision to change trajectory on YouTube, um, he reached out to me and was like, hey, do you want to do this this project thing that I was, I was putting together? And um, essentially, I'm not a huge Magic player myself. I'm not super into it. But basically, it boiled down to, like, you just write a song loosely inspired by this, and it has to have some, like, traditional Japanese elements, some synth stuff some cyberpunk aesthetic and you can fill in the rest and i just thought you know what this is so this is so strange but okay i'll yeah. i'll just do it and then i i had looked at a couple of pieces of promotional art and a couple of pieces that like they they gave people working on this the soundtrack album and this song just came out um it, i just 
sat down and I got the idea for the Neon Riverside and I, I wrote it. Um, I knew that from the beginning that one of the people I wanted to involve was my friend Zach Zinger, who I've I met I met mainly through doing stuff with the Ip Big Band whenever they would come to Boston okay. and whenever I'd sit in sessions um, with them in New York. But he's I know, like he's a game audio person in his own right. But he also plays the shakuhachi, which is a, a traditional Japanese wooden flute that is. <sighs> seems so insane to play because it's it's like it's got like i don't know it's five or five or six holes but zach can play a full chromatic scale on it with half holing and embouchure changes and it's just uh, <laughs> i don't want to imagine but i had a session with him where he taught me some of like the basics of how to write for that and, and what keys to what keys to stick and what scales to use things like sure. that and uh i just the, the piece just came together I, I definitely studied and listened to some of the reference tracks that John sent me for stuff that would be on the album. Listened to a lot of Taiko ensemble music, and I, I had seen some Taiko performers um, before. There's this group, I forget what they're called, but there was a group that came to Berkeley that had a really big performance, and I, I really enjoyed that. And yeah, the, overall, the song is like, or the, the composition is, it's it's on this, the Magic the, the Magic the Gathering, Kamigawa Dynasty, like, official soundtrack album. And if you listen to the whole rest of the album, like, it's a very eclectic blend of stuff. And I think my track is like I, one of my friends, I think um, who's just on the show, Mason Lieberman. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he listened to it and he was like, dude, you, like your, your song is so different from everything else, but like in a good way. And yeah. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take that. You know, there's no <laughs> vocals on mine. A lot of the other tracks have vocals. Um, okay. And it was, it was just a fun a fun experiment and a fun thing to try out. And yeah. it just so happened that the release, like it was a relatively short development period. Okay. of like the amount of time that people had to make the music so um i was excited to be able to release it you know pretty soon after making it Yeah, no, it's such a neat track, and um, you know, as I mentioned, you've got all these annotations as you're watching because you put it into mm -hmm. a video, and Zach's in the video, obviously, which is super cool mm -hmm. to see him play, mm -hmm. and and I love that you used not just Taiko drums, but the vocals from like you said you didn't have vocals, and that's true. There's no singing, but you have yeah. the shouts of the Taiko ensemble, which is super <laughs> <Yeah>. fun. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I I kind of mime along to the shouts in the video, so it looks like it's me, but it's actually just a just a bunch of samples I found of people. <laughs> doing that I, I i like that was one of the things that really struck me about like the taiko performances was that it was so like the, the when i saw the performances like yes there were drums but it was like it was more so like the spirit of the people mm -hmm. that was the main thing that was on showcase rather than the drums and you know i i mean i could take some lessons and learn how to perform and do that spirit myself but for now the closest thing i have is inserting some <laughs> samples of taiko <laughs> <laughs> but it, the song just I, I, I had drafts where that where those shouts weren't in there and it felt like man this groove really needs something yeah. and I was like okay just throw that in there
And you have a particular affinity for,、um, you know, learning, learning Japanese culture. You、mm-hmm. study Japanese, if I remember、mm-hmm. right. And, you know, you're, you love Japanese video games.、Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit about that and how that all started. Yeah. So I, I studied,、um, it really all started、um, in college. My girlfriend at the time, Was, you know, was taking some Japanese classes on her own at, at her school, which was also in Boston. And I was like jealous because, like, wow, that seems so cool. I want to learn Japanese too. We could have our own <laughs> secret code language, you know? Which, I mean, Japanese isn't a secret code language because there's like millions of speakers, but, you know, <laughs> in our little bubble. Yeah.、Um, and then, so then I figured I had like some elective space at Berkeley, and it turns out, oh, there was a Japanese class that was available. So in like my fourth semester or something, I took, I started taking Japanese. And, wow.、Um, It was so fun, like from the very beginning. It's just, it's so different than, I mean, it's like a completely different writing system, a completely different thought process, a completely different grammatical structure than English.、Mm-hmm. But honestly, it's felt like it feels like learning an instrument to me in,、oh. a, in a weird way. And like my, my process of learning instruments really helped me in, in, in learning Japanese. So in, in total, I spent two years studying、um, the language in. Uh, in college, and I did a I, like I kind of dropped off after college, but then I did a like a six month six month period. I was kind of going back into it and just doing it all on my own. And I think I learned most of what I know now in those that six month period.、Mm. Um, but it was really, it was just so fun.、Um, in the same way that I felt like I've the way that I learned jazz mostly came from, you know, I mean, immersing in recordings, listening to a whole bunch of recordings,、mm-hmm. and. Even transcribing things, I would literally do the same thing with my with Japanese, where like I would find like a actually, I um, there's one actually, I combined both passions together. So there's like an interview that my friend sent me of um, Jun Ishikawa,、uh, Hirokazu Ando, and another composer for Kirby, the Kirby series, and it's like this 10 minute video of them. In front of like this orchestra performance of Kirby music in 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 Japan, and it's all in Japanese. So I transcribed, I, I haven't finished it yet, but like I just transcribed the interview. Like I write,、wow. I, I listen and I write down exactly what they're saying. And if I don't know a word, I like, like try really hard to listen to exactly what they're saying, then look it up, figure out what makes sense in the context. And then like that's a word I know, you know?、Wow. And I think if you, it's, it's, it's so much more fun that way when you put it like, As opposed to just doing like a grammar book, because you know, there's no like, there's no greater context to the grammar book. You're just trying to do the book. But、yeah. if I'm trying to learn Japanese for the purpose of being able to understand these composers that I've respected so much talk firsthand about their own music, you know, that's, that's way more fun.、Yeah. And if I, learn, if, if I learn the word for chicken on, like, off, offhand through the process, <laughs> then that sounds that's great. <laughs> do, you, do you know the word for chicken? I must ask. Niwatori. That means, that means chicken. It's funny because、uh, like tori means bird and niwa means like garden. So niwa tori is like garden bird. So、oh. it's like chicken. It's like a、yeah. chicken is a garden bird. <laughs> it's like chicken. <laughs> yeah. It's just, yeah. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. I never even thought about doing that. I've been working, I took Spanish all through high school. And then didn't for many, many, many years, because I have、mm-hmm. many years on you, of course. But、um, I've, <laughs> I've come、of、back course, to that. Yeah. And yeah, of course.、Um, yeah. But there's a lot that I've forgotten that I don't, that I literally don't remember. But then it amazed me at how much of it I was like, oh my God, yeah,、mm-hmm. I totally understand that. And, and it makes me wonder how hard that would be to learn now. If I hadn't had、mm. that, you know what I mean? I don't know, but、mm-hmm. I like your version to, to do that. And I've watched, fil- sometimes I'll watch movies and things like that, but I've never、mm-hmm. like 
literally tried to transcribe a conversation. That's mm-hmm. brilliant. And I mean, yeah, it's it's it, I will I will say it is an extremely tedious process. But yeah, um, in the same way that it's it's just a matter of how much time you spend with it, like actively thinking about it, like yeah. Um, like if you're watching, you know, if you watch anime just passively and expect to to absorb some of the things, you might pick up you might pick up like konnichiwa. You might pick up that, right? Yeah. But yeah. other than that, it's kind of hard to to get into it. Um, yeah. And actually, the whole this might be of, of use to your listeners too. Like my the the similarity of my um my instrument learning process and the language learning process that I mm-hmm. I, I that I is kind of a, I think it's a unique story that I haven't heard many people talk about. Like people ask me all the time what my practice routine is, right? Like, how do I play mm-hmm. all these things or how do I get to like a passable level on so many things? And I barely practice. I Like, I have to tell you, I don't have a routine anymore. I, the, the most I'd ever had was in college. Yeah. But for me, it was always having a situation in which I had to, I, I, I literally had to be able to get good enough um, at this instrument to be able to do it. And for me, that was recording for the videos. For example... Like when I was first learning bass guitar, you know, I would write myself a bass part and I would know that I couldn't play, you know, I can't, I couldn't play like a Jocko line or something like that, <laughs> yeah. but I could write a, a medium difficulty bass line. If there was a part that I couldn't really play, then I would practice that, you know, for the video and then I would record it. And I, in, in the process of mixing, I would hear myself playing that bass line, you know, in the context of the recording over and over again. And that's, that's the feedback that you need to get better. And so just over videos and videos and videos or, and songs and songs and songs of just, you know, recording, even if it's like the most basic trumpet part in existence, right? Just recording (laughs) that, putting it in there, being able to listen back to it objectively once it's published and say, you know what? I don't really like my sound in that. I'm going to figure out how to get better for the next recording. Mm -hmm. That was how I practiced in the same way that with Japanese, you know, I didn't like using the grammar book, but once I started using it for real life situations like reading the newspaper or trying to understand this conversation or reading it or, or searching online to figure out how Japanese game composers loop their video game music because they do it differently <laughs> than some other people do sometimes, um, then you learn and it's yeah. more fun. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever visited there? Uh, I went. I went in the summer of 2018. Oh, nice. Okay, for, yeah, good timing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, 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 before the before the yeah, everything yeah. else happened. Um, yeah. All right. Well, more original music. Um, I uh, tactical. Tell me about that <laughs> tune. Yeah. So honestly, most of the most of those original songs that are on YouTube in that time period of like between 2021 and like 2022, I kind of see them as like um, they feel like me like trying to break out of a cage but not being able to break out of a cage you know like i i i think that whole time period basically after i published um Innovation, which was this big album i spent a whole long uh, this whole 50 track pokemon diamond Amazing. and pearl arrangement album that i spent yeah. a long time working on um <laughs> after that i kind of felt like there's i wanted to do something more and i wasn't really sure what that would look like and i kind of dabbled in original music but um there was a part of me that felt like I have to make it marketable somehow, you know? And my idea was like, okay, let's just make, let's let's try making original music that's like inspired by like an archetype of a game music theme, you know? And so I did a couple of things like that, like, like, like tactical was my attempt at doing like some like fire emblem map kind of theme. I had one that, that's rooted in tomorrow, which is like a hometown theme. And, you know, while they are, I think they're, 
if you don't know that context in the story, I think there's still good compositions in their own right. Yeah. They're fine. Yeah. Um, but it still feels it feels weird for me to go back and look at them because I can see myself like 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 split like completely split down the middle, you know, of yeah. wanting to stay with the cover world and wanting to, you know, do something else, wanting to do something that um might not be as mar- inherently as marketable or, you know, it doesn't get as many clicks as you know, Undertale yeah. jazz cover. Um, but I mean, back to the to the, to the music itself. Um, I that was pro- that's probably like one of my like one of my favorite originals that's still on the channel. If I could remove the story from it, I would, and just like have it as just like just this piece of music that I like. Yeah. Um, and I remember, I <laughs> I remember for that particular one, I I, uh, I wanted a djembe, and I just went to the I went to my local music store and says, "Hey, do you guys have a djembe?" And they said, <laughs> "It's a drum, um, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's it's a large African uh, drum." And they're like, "Yes, sir, we have a couple djembes." And I said, "Okay, give me your biggest djembe." And then they brought it out from the back, and they said. Sounds great. Thank you. I will take this home and record with it now. So I just got a djembe and I learned how to It is huge. I learned how to wear it. It's really it's really big. It's a um, big one. Is it in yeah, that room? It's, yeah, it's 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 uh, holding up my cajon right now okay. over, over there somewhere. <laughs> uh, if if I was if I was wiser, I may have just gone for a sample library of djembe, but <laughs> it's not nearly I, as fun I, though. Sometimes yeah, and one of the one of the interesting things is that what do you do for the video of a sample library? You know, like if I'm making, if, if my thing is making these, if my thing was making these videos on YouTube, right. Then I have, I, there's, there's gotta be some way to visually represent every sound that comes out, mm-hmm. which is actually honestly part, probably part of the reason why I learned to play so many instruments acoustically mm-hmm. was so mm-hmm. I could be, I could show them in videos on YouTube. Sure. I think just djembe is fun to watch because you get to watch, oh, man beat drum in rhythm. <laughs> that is so, that is fun. Click like, you know? Yeah, <laughs> click like. <laughs> do, do it right now if you're listening. Click like. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> there's no, there's no djembe in this video, but click like. <laughs> You know, you kind of alluded to it. We talked about it a minute ago that we were going to bring this up. I do want to talk about your decision to mm-hmm. to kind of, um, I guess, just to not do covers anymore. And mm-hmm. it's really evident you posted the video, you know, that you're not going to be uh, putting up new cover videos anymore. Mm-hmm. And it was really clear that this was something that had been weighing on you for a very, very long time. It didn't seem oh, yeah. like, you know, and so I'm just curious... Um, you know, I I would imagine that you felt, you know, a responsibility to your listeners to kind of maintain a certain whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, wh- what was that all like? And how do you feel now that you've made that decision? So that decision had really been building for such a long time. Um, and 
it was one of those things where I knew there was a problem. I knew something wasn't quite right. Um, but I couldn't, I could, for the longest time, I couldn't articulate what the problem was. But I, I knew that there was an issue because whenever I would think about, okay, what am I going to do next for YouTube? I would get like this feeling of like tightness mm. in my chest and just like it would just stay there. Mm. And it was something in my body saying that like this is like this is not right. Like step back, take a minute, do something different because this is not what you want to do. Mm. And eventually um, I came to the decision that stopping covers was what I had to do. And it was really tough and it, it still is tough um, because, you know, one, there are, I, I've met so many people through the process of, you know, working on Insane in the Rain and, and making covers. And it's, I, I still love video game music. I still love these classic songs, um, but it's not even so much the music, like like the the the, the covers, musically speaking, that I had a problem with. It was everything around the music that I had a problem with. It was the idea that you had to present your music or present your thing in such a way that got people to click on it. Mm, and yeah. there are. Like when I, when I do something, I I base I try to go like one hundred and sixty seven percent at whatever I do. Um, yeah. And I realize that if I were to continue doing that on YouTube, and you know get what get the metrics that YouTube wanted from me, like that wants their creators to do, which is basically um, their fundamental purpose is to keep people on the platform, right? Because if yeah. you keep them on the platform, they stay watching longer. They can have there's more more ads that can be shown. Right. right. I mean, mon com like speaking from a purely business perspective, that is what they want, right? And that yes. is what the algorithms have been optimized for for years is getting people to stay and click and watch for a long time. And making fantastic music and like the best music I possibly can as a creative person is not the way that that, that has happened. There is a portion of it that is, right? Yeah. Like, I think there's a certain, like a, like a certain threshold of quality or a certain amount of thing that needs to be needs to be met um but you know at a certain point it's not it's not just about the quality of the music it's about the whole package it's about the branding it's about the story it's about how I, eye catching it is like you know it got to the point where it's like like i you know i don't i didn't like the fact i had to ask myself okay what is the most popular video game song right now that i could cover and get more more views right sure and for some people for some types of channels that is a totally valid, you know, question to ask. Like, it's, like if you're like a news channel or something and you yeah. want to report on the most recent piece of news, then that's great. That makes total sense because it's lined up with your mission as a channel. And also it, you know, it probably gets more people to watch the stuff. The problem with art or how I viewed my stuff as art is that that's not the point. Like the, the point <laughs> is not to make the most money possible from it. You know, it's yeah. to... It's to say something. I mean, I don't even know what the point of art is, and maybe the point is that it doesn't have a point. I'm still, <laughs> I'm, I, I, who, who knows? I'm still figuring that one out. Um, but essentially, it came down to me realizing that I needed to make a change. And I'm not certain that my choice is the right one right now. You know, there might, like, for all I know, I could be, I could come back to covers at some point. But, you know, nobody really knows exactly what they're doing. And nobody knows exactly what path lays before them. And I'm just trying to take the path that feels right at, at this time. And for me, what that means is working on, you know, continuing to always continue to work on music because I still love music, mm -hmm. but in the, in a more private sense where I, I can work on stuff that is, you know, 
um, like for games. And, and, and instead of trying to please a whole audience of YouTube people, I'm just working, you know, just on the team. I'm just trying to serve the game. You know, I'm serving the game before I'm serving the audience on YouTube, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I think is a much, in one way, a much harder sell, but another way, a much easier sell. Yeah. And I, I, I have massive respect for anybody who is a musician in the age of social media because there are so many pressures put on people who are are artistic and, and creative to, you know, constantly create content, you know? And mm-hmm. I, 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 I hate that. I, I, yeah. I hate the term content creator because is that really what, <laughs> is that really what we're, we're being reduced to is just creating content, Yeah, you know, for other people? Like, <sighs> and, <laughs> I, I get so heated about this and, and words mean different, like you can give whatever meaning to a word you want to, right? Depending yeah, on the context. Yeah. And, but for me, where I stand is I didn't want to have to keep thinking about, you know, I don't want to have to keep relying on the idea of views and clicks and getting attention. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make, I just wanted to make the stuff I hear in my head, you know, <laughs> and yeah. being on YouTube was getting in the way of that. And yeah. um, I think I'm better able to do that now, now that I'm, not doing that stuff all the time. And you do feel better since you've made that decision, right? I mean, you- Yes, not not perfect, not perfect, but definitely way better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good, good. Um, so, you know, with your original songs, do you mm-hmm. think that for the most part, you still, uh, you know, you feel this tug for like jazz, fusion, funk, mm. sort of, or do you all just really just love writing and you don't care if it's mm. orchestral or what? Well, it, it, again, it, it depends on it depends on the purpose of everything, right? Sure. And um, the the two big original projects I'm working on, actually, there's there's more than two, but the two big ones I'll talk about right now. Um, one is an original album of stuff that I've been wanting to do for a long time. Nice. Um, I have a couple of compositions up on YouTube called Forward and Flow, um, and those are like for me when I like those are like that was original music purely for the sake of original music. You know, it it wasn't. I, yeah. I didn't feel like I had to market myself or put them in a certain box for those two. So, and those those two songs came out in a style that's like you know definitely influenced by fusion and has some orchestral stuff. And most of the music that I'm writing for this original album and recording is definitely inspired. Is it definitely has that jazz fusion vibe to it because that's kind of my main. That's like my. If I could pick any music in the world to listen to, I'd probably default to that first. Yeah. Um, which is it's just. What I what I like to listen to, yeah. Um, because I listened to Wave Race '64 as a kid. That's where that that's where that all came from. <laughs> you think so? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure. It's why I love T Square so much. Is because it it sounds just like Wave Race '64. <laughs> but I like all kinds of music. You know, yeah. I mean, actually, yeah. not all kinds of music. I like a lot of music, and um, the music that comes out just tends to be a blend of whatever situation um, the music mm-hmm. calls for. Um, the other project I'm working on is the score for this game called Attorney of the Arcane. It's a pretty like it's like my first indie game that I'm that I'm working on, but cool. it's like it's a pretty significant amount of music. Like I think between me and the other composer Shady Cicada, we've been working on it together. We're like 22 tracks in, something nice. like that. And there's probably I have like 15 to 20 more to do. Um <laughs> and most of that is actually is more orchestral um, okay. in nature, but not yeah. but like in a in a in a very like particular like <laughs> orchestra meets like meets Japanese video classic video game music meets jazz fusion meets me so yeah. <laughs> whatever whatever blend whatever blend that is um, maybe that just that, is you <laughs> yeah I, you know I I think so I think that's a better way of putting it and yeah. um 
I'm really looking forward to whenever all that stuff comes out because this particular period of time right now, like in between, you know, in between stopping the YouTube and, you know, waiting for these releases to get finished is kind of a weird middle sure. ground yeah. because there's not really a solid example of like, you know, okay, guys, this is what I've been doing this whole time was <laughs> when, I, when I decided to stop. And yeah. I know I know the day will come eventually when the soundtrack is released and all this stuff comes out and people can actually see, you know, get a more like current picture as to yeah. what is going on in my head. But it's uh, what I'm excited about or that's what I'm working yeah. towards as far as original music goes right now. It made me wonder, have you ever had a day job? The closest thing to a day job I've ever had um, was working as a, uh, oh, what are they called? Like a camp, like not like a, like a camp counselor, like a band camp for a couple weeks in, in summer. Um, nice. Other than that, I, I've, um, whether you, I'm not sure it's a, I'm not sure it's entirely a good thing, but I've never like had like a normal day job. Like ever since I was, you know, started making videos when I was 14, a couple of years later, they started making enough money where I could just like, you know. I could survive off that. I could pay yeah. by the time I got to college, I could pay rent for my apartment with, with with YouTube money. And even now, you know, even though I'm not actively making videos, the songs are still out on Spotify. People are still listening to them. Mm -hmm. um, and it's weird because it's like all this past work, you know, or all this past me that's being broadcast out there. But there's nothing I can really do about that anymore. You yeah. know, it's just I, I accept that 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 stuff that I created, you know, is is and always will be a part of me, just like anything that we've gone through in life is an experience that has made us somehow into where we are today, regardless of how small it is. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful it happened. Would I do it again? Maybe not. <laughs> but but I don't I don't have but I don't have to make that choice, right? And yeah. and I can just keep moving forward and plugging away at the things that I'm excited about and um, you know, try and make the world a better place in that process. Are you performing out there at all? Um, In Seattle, from, I guess, is kind of what I'm curious if you do any gigging yeah, around your area. But Yeah, I play with a couple of, um, I play with this local band around here. Oh, you're going to love the name. It's called um, the Jazz Punishments Big Band. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and there's, it's, there's like, we have like this dunce cap that at some gigs we pass around the band and people like have worn this dunce cap as their jazz punishment. But it's just like a, it's a, it's just a, like a local reading big band that I play with um, like mm -hmm. a couple of gigs a month, something like that. Um, and I'm actually, I actually play piano with that band. I don't play saxophone. I think I really want to have a day where I show up to a rehearsal and just play saxophone instead of piano because most like I, I've met a, I've met a lot of people through that band. And I don't really know who I am. Yeah, or they don't know anything about me besides that I play the piano in this big band. So oh I, I, I when I when I tell them that actually piano is not really my main instrument, I spent more time on saxophone. They'll be like, "What?" Yeah. Like <laughs> it's like imposter. But um, amazing. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, apart from that's like the main, like I, I go to jams every, every once in a while. Um, but okay. most of, most of my involvement is in the online sphere. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Seattle area is such a robust community for all kinds of gaming, right? Whether it's AAA mm-hmm. gaming or it's indie mm-hmm. gaming and the music community there is really tight as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I, I mean I grew up in the uh, in specifically like the Seattle jazz scene or like the Seattle and surrounding surrounding nice. areas, and I've I've met a whole bunch of people through that. I know a lot of people in um, in that world, and it's always been fun when like you know I, I meet a friend who's in who's in the local scene, and then I figure they're like they're also like a video game like they're a gamer. And one time at one of my friends' jams, I I called Bob on Battlefield, <laughs> <laughs> and then. <laughs> And then like, and then like, like some people were just like, "What?" And then then other people were like, "Bro, let's go!" And like, they were so they were so happy. And man, when when that stuff when that that worked out really well, and I was <laughs> yeah, oh, that's hilarious. The, the silliest but fun uh, funniest moment. It is a great video of you playing Babam on your baritone saxophone. I will say that that's pretty. pretty <laughs> oh yeah, the super, the super old one where my mom walks in halfway through, halfway through my soul. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, in that in that cover, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> gosh, it's like if you read the comments, like people have like the timestamp, like when his mom walks in, <laughs> and I'm I'm like. I, I like I wrote like this like this Latin like C minor pentatonic vamp and I'm like playing over it and I'm doing like the the, the berry thing where you go like all wild and crazy and yeah. my eyes are closed and my mom walks in in the background of the shot she just stands there and she's like huh and then she walks out of the shot as I'm in the solo and I didn't even notice Classic. that was the take I used for the video but it just oh. ended up there in the comment section told me. <laughs> You didn't even know she was there. Amazing. No, I didn't. I was so into it. How did that work then? I mean, because in that video, you're like literally like in your living room. So of course she walked in because what the hell she's going to, she doesn't know what you're doing. So was that how how those early videos started? You just record wherever? Uh, Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) I had, um, at that time, at that video, I'm not sure I had like a, I, I think I was like, using like the dining room table as like my office (laughs) where I had my laptop station and I would just move around to different parts. Actually, no, I recorded at that table because I didn't have a microphone stand. And so the, 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 the lip of the dining room table, I could place my blue Yeti USB microphone on top of that. And it was just the, it was good enough height to get a decent enough sound out of my berry. So that's why I recorded it right there is because I didn't have another good surface to record on. Man, one of the greatest things about making videos for this long and having them all public on the internet is that, like, I can just go back and watch that and tell you, like, oh, yeah, my mom walks in on that one and my (laughs) microphone's on the dining room table. (laughs) Yeah. Either your mom or dad musical? Do you have siblings? Uh, are any of them musical? No. So I'm an I'm an only child actually. Okay. So it's just me. Um, my dad played a little bit of trumpet in high school, but that's about it. My mom's not musical at all. Um, wow. She'll tell you otherwise, but she's. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. She, she likes to she likes to sing around the house, and that's about it. Um, yeah. My grandma my grandma played French horn for a little bit. Oh wow! Um, but but not. Not very much. Um, the biggest like musical influence in my family is my aunt 
she's oh gosh, she must be like eighties, like mid eighties right now. Um, or no, she she'd be not my not my aunt. She'd be my great aunt, I guess. I'm okay. not exactly sure how the family mom's works. aunt um, or something like that. Yeah. Well, she's my my grandmother's Grandma, my grandma's sister. Yeah, I think that is great aunt. I think great yeah. aunt. I think so. Yeah, I think um, you're right. But yeah, but so I I think she has perfect pitch. Oh and wow. She's like a she's a pianist, and she's still like she's you know at that age she like still plays with the church like every week, nice. and um, she transposes songs just super super easily, huh. um, like probably from just years of experience of having to play with singers and having them like you know can you play it in this key and then you just yeah. transpose it right, um, <laughs> yeah. which is fucking and, singers. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just 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 pushing just pushing the tuning slide on your vocal cords yeah, and move ex- it up a half step. No. Just just change that. Um, yeah. That's that's like really the only musical influence in my family. Um Interesting. Everybody else is just teachers. I have okay. a, everybody's a teacher. And I'm like the I mean, I guess I think everybody's a teacher in some sense, you know, but sure. in this in the sense of like working in a public school, like that's that is not me. So <laughs> So you've got a couple of projects that you mentioned that you're working on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, in between that, are, are you just writing just to for the sake of writing when you have time to? Or Everything right now is structured around, like I said, I, I, I aim for 160, 167%. Yeah. Um, and I just, I just made up that percentage for this particular <laughs> interview. But it's over well 100, done. and that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so my, my primary focus right now is just trying to be the best composer I can. Mm-hmm. And my general process for improving at anything is to do it a lot. Um, I think that's a, g- a good idea for most <laughs> yeah. things is to do them a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty much either composing for um, Attorney of the Arcane or other games that I'm working on doing that, um, working on some original music for this original album I'm working on, or, tr- or what I've been doing on Twitch lately is um, transcribing video oh, yeah. game music that I like. Yeah, I wanted to ask yeah. you about that. Talk more about I did so much transcript. I loved jazz when I was in college and stuff, so mm-hmm. loved transcribing. But mm-hmm. not everyone even knows really what that means when it comes to music. Yeah. So so explain what you're doing there on Twitch. Yeah, so, I mean, there are... Transcri- transcribing is such a funny word in music because there's a couple meanings that it has depending on your context. One meaning is like... Um, you could like transcribe a viola concerto for the tenor saxophone or like you change the instrument. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the act of listening to a piece of music and writing it down. That is in its most like basic form what transcribing is, listening and writing down. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. Um, Typically in jazz, there's transcribing solos where you'll listen to someone's solo and then you'll like either you, you might like physically notate it on a piece of sheet music you might write it in notation software some people just learn it by ear and memorize it without ever writing it down i've never been that kind of person yeah but what i've um one of the things that helped me the most during my process of doing covers was um the fact that i had to transcribe the song every time i did a cover right right i would have to, I, because i didn't want to trust anybody else's transcription of it because <laughs> what if what if they got the melody note wrong yeah. how am i supposed to know like i'd rather do it myself so if i get it wrong it's my fault right yeah and I think in the process of when you when you transcribe something, you know, it's like it's like getting your screwdriver and taking apart your toaster and figuring out how it works um, mm-hmm. without without I mean, with maybe with less potential electric shock. Yeah, exactly. Um, hazards <laughs> of taking apart your toaster. without all the health hazards. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. But you get a, you get like an inner working of how the music works, and mm-hmm. that's one of the most I think just the best ways to improve at something is to take something that you like, figure out 
what it is you like about it and and how it works. Um, mm -hmm. For example, like just last night when we were recording this interview, I did a stream last night where I was transcribing this song called um, Deep Within the Ground from Triangle Strategy. Um, Triangle okay. Strategy is a is a um, strategy RPG that came out this year on the Switch um, composed by Akira Senju, who did music for Full Metal Alchemist and a bunch of other nice. stuff. Yeah. And this track, it's like, it's... It's one of those tracks that like like no one's ever gonna look it up outside of the game because it's not really that flashy. Yeah. Um, it's like a slow like it has like a choir string section, a couple of percussion instruments, a piano, like nothing faster than an eighth note in the entire song. The BPM's like seventy. You know, wow. it's the exact the exact opposite of something you'd play at the club. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, no one's turning up to deep within the ground. Yeah. But what I would do was. <laughs> What I would do is get the song into my to my DAW and then just write down as much of it as possible. Like I would listen for the strings and, and try and figure out, okay, there are I know that there are five voices in the string section. What is the voicing that they're using here and how mm -hmm. do the voices move? Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you transcribe game music, you might just get like the melody, you might get the chords, and you might get the bass line. Those are the easiest things to hear. But what I'm trying to do specifically is not just understand like the melody and the chords, I'm trying to understand the orchestration, right? Right. Which is yeah. which is a, a a big deal, and it's hard to get get that without the score. But with enough um with enough good old elbow grease and re repeating the same thing over and over again, and then even more after that, um, <laughs> I just like I eventually just have a. It might not be 100 perfect, but I write down as much of the song as possible. Um, and then usually I play it. I, I play it back in like in, um, I use Dorico right now, and I, okay. I play it back in Dorico's um, playback feature and say, "Okay, that sounds pretty close. Like that sounds actually <laughs> pretty similar to the song." And in the process, you know, I I learn li just little tidbits of little orchestration tips that are immediately mm -hmm. relevant for the song. Like in this specific one, for example, I I, I had never heard the low range of the celeste. Like the the, oh. the thing, yeah. It's, it's a like keyboard for, instrument. Yeah, yeah. It sounds it's similar to a. I think the Glockenspiel is probably more well known. Um, yeah, it has a similar sound, but it's this celeste is, is like a keyboard, and it has a little softer of a sound than the Glockenspiel. And it resonation and resonation mm -hmm. is that a word? I don't know. We just said it. Probably yeah. resonance. Probably resonance that's, is probably that's a better is. choice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. there was this texture in the song that it was vibes in like around like central like in the like around c5 around that range mm -hmm. and then it was this ostinato doubled in the celeste an octave lower oh wow. and i was like i had never heard that sound before and yeah. I, like, I heard it in the game and i was like what is that sound huh. and then i just tried out a few different things like uh, uh, listening to it and taking some guesses and then i just tried playing it back and oh this sounds right so i think that's that's what i get from transcribing is figuring out just little things about oh yep. this this little thing sounds cool and i don't know if i'll ever use it but at least it's in it's in my um it's yeah. in my database it's in my mental orchestra right now and whenever the time whenever the, <laughs> yeah that's that's one of the things i think about is like we all have this mental orchestra that's what i call we do. it that's, it's amazing. that's comprised yeah. of everything you've ever heard or been exposed to right yep. and i think um oh i had this analogy that i told a friend once that um like that when, you know when you get that creative spark and you mm -hmm. have like a moment it's like aha i want to do this it's like I think of the, the giant mental orchestra as like a like the biggest concert hall you could ever possibly imagine, and everybody's just like walking around, you know. Like maybe I've got like the Punch Brothers walking around in there, Stevie Wonder's <laughs> on the other side, um, T Square's like up in the rafters, and like Junichi Masuda is like sitting on the couch somewhere. And then sometimes there's an idea where Stevie Wonder walks up to Junichi Masuda and says, "Hey, how's it going?" You know, and and they have a conversation. That's what a creative spark is. Is when these when these two 
things that seem disparate just like meet for a moment, yeah. right? And like they they have they they, <laughs> they shake, they have the conversation, they get to know each other a little bit, and mm-hmm. then you know it's our job as the human vessels through which creativity works in its strange ways to make that real, right? It's yes. our job to imagine what would happen if Stevie Wonder <laughs> and Junichi Masuda did in fact have that conversation. <laughs> what comes from that? I don't know. It's for me to decide, right? Yep. And yep. that's that's the beautiful thing is that no one can no one can tell you that, you know, that's actually, I, I don't think Stevie Wonder actually would have done that if he had to have that conversation. It's just a, a theory of understanding it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like the melting pot of your musical brain, really. Yeah. You know, just, yeah. All the influences coming together, whether it's mm-hmm. Punch Brothers or Stevie or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Carlos, what else do you want to say? <laughs> God, there's so much exciting I, things. Oh, I just saw your shirt because oh, I don't yeah. know. Y- Ewe shirt? Because <laughs> there's a video of you and I was like, I it's been so long since I've seen an Iwi and it was probably I think probably Joe Lovano or somebody like that is the first person mm-hmm. I ever heard play an Iwi but yeah. that's hilarious. How long have you had your Iwi? <laughs> oh, yeah. So I actually funny enough I've had an Iwi for a very very long time. Like have you since really? maybe maybe like 2014 or something like that. So wow, a super yeah. long time. But at the time the model I had was this Iwi USB which I didn't realize what the USB thing meant in that it doesn't have a sound library built on, like built in it. It's just like a MIDI controller. Oh so wow! It's, okay. it's like a it's like a breath controller with the, the you you play it like a normal like a like a EV with a, a hardware synthesizer, mm-hmm. um, but it doesn't have any sounds. It just sends up MIDI data, yeah. which I used for a couple of videos, and I thought, ah, this isn't very fun because I didn't I didn't really understand latency and how to mitigate those things and how sure. to program a synth to make it feel good. And, but then in um, I want to say 2019 sometime around there, I finally got an EWI 4000S, okay. which is like, like basically like the, the industry standard of EWIs, which is <laughs> yeah. such a, such a strange phrase. I can't believe I'm saying out loud, but uh, you know, um, <laughs> it, it is, even though it's not, it's not the most recent model of EWI. And in fact, in, in recent years, there's been a whole lot of development in the wind controller scene, which is pretty exciting. Like yeah. Yamaha has a new one that has like a soprano sax bell, like stuck to the end, which looks so strange. Oh, funny. And then there's the Roland Aerophone, the various degrees of proness that the Aerophone has. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just, as a saxophonist and, and someone who has, like is really familiar with that fingering system, you know, if I can transfer that to another instrument and yeah. not have to learn a whole lot and get a whole bunch of different sounds, you know, I'll take it. And it's it's pretty fun to play. Now, can you, here's, a, I've, I've never thought of this because of course mm-hmm. there's way more than four saxophones in the saxophone family, yes, but four mm. main ones, soprano, alto, mm, tenor, mm. bass, right? Or berry, so not bass, <laughs> that's a different one. Um, so when in Iwi, which one is that fingered like? Because two, like soprano, I mean, I know that they share, but they're not all the same, you know, so mm-hmm. can you map it to be like, I want to finger this like a tenor or I want to finger this like an alto? Yeah, so there's, there's two independent settings. So there's there's transpose, which means you can not only set it to the keys of B flat or E flat, but I could have an E we in G flat if I really wanted to. <laughs> okay. I don't know why you would want that, but um, maybe someday. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe there's like a clarinet in F sharp or something that someone really <laughs> wants to practice in their apartment, and so that, yeah. that's why they have the E we for that. So you can you can set the transpose function like that, which I've actually used on like in Toby Fox's composition Rude Buster from Delta Rune. There's this really hard solo, and the song is actually um, in between the keys of F and F sharp. 
so there was one instance where I was playing it with a band. It was in F sharp, and I only knew the solo in F. So I, I momentarily transposed my EW to a different key, and I played it using my fingers in F. <laughs> um, which is you, you can't do that on a saxophone, other than no. just like really pushing in, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And but there's also there's something. Yeah, 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 that would be awful. But there's also, in addition to the different keys, there's fingering modes that you can use too. So okay. um, there's like there's um, like the saxophone fingering mode, which uses all the keys that the EW has on it in a way that's most similar to a saxophone. There's like the flute mode, which is, and these are all pretty similar, but there are sure, just little yeah. idiosyncrasies between like flute, clarinet, oboe. There's even one for um, EV, which is electronic valve instrument, which is like the trumpet version. Oh, yeah. Um, I have I've never messed with that because I'm not like. If I, if I can just play it like a saxophone, why would I bother using the valves, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, but there's, yeah. a, there's a whole bunch of modes that use the buttons in slightly different ways, in addition to, to transposing the thing outright. Carlos, what else do you want to say before we end for the night? Um, all I'll say is that I'm I'm very happy that you've had me on the show. I think that this the show is wonderful, and you do a great job of oh, interviewing, it, like preparing and interviewing your guests very well. Thank um, you. I will say it feels like a weird time for me, at least in as far as like my career is mm-hmm. to be on mm-hmm. here, as it, it's more of like a kind of like a retrospect on my all my the stuff I've been doing on YouTube and um, I look forward to sharing whatever I have to share in a couple of years after I've had some time to you know wait out these really long release periods and things <laughs> for, for things to actually come out mm-hmm. um, and perhaps we'll have another chat again whenever that stuff whenever that stuff actually comes out I don't yeah. know who, who knows maybe it'll get stuck in the stuck in development hell forever but I gosh, <laughs> I, I, I hope not um, I hope not too <laughs> but we will uh We'll see. And it's also just been nice to like um, reflect like a few months now that I've been a few months out from mm-hmm. the um, choosing to stop covers period. Um, yeah. In, in some ways it feels like the wrong, I almost said it feels like the wrong decision. In some ways it feels like the right decision, but there are still things that I'm still problems that that decision didn't, in, didn't entirely solve. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll always be tweaking things and figuring out whatever, what stuff I want to do that, um, most appropriately is artistically satisfying and just is exciting to me as a person. But until then, I'm a work in progress, always will be. <laughs> and I um, I think it's important that we all give ourselves a break and realize that we are all very much works in progress. <laughs> very much, I'll tell you. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, it's just been, it's been so wonderful to, to get to know you. You were here for VGM Con. I really mm-hmm. hope you come back next year. Oh I'm, yeah. That I'm was telling so everyone, fun. Yeah. I'm telling everyone to come either come a day early or a day lo- late, stay a day late mm-hmm. so that we can all just spend some time in Minneapolis and like see the city. And cause I know there wasn't <laughs> really an opportunity to do that and there's fun stuff to do. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, we're gonna, we're gonna plan something like that. I'll keep you posted. I hope you come back next year. Oh, I definitely schedule permitting and everything else permitting. I would, I would love to, it's yeah. the best. Like I, that con was so great because I could just walk out of the hotel room, walk down to the lobby and in about two minutes, I could find somebody that I knew and yeah. just talk with them. Yeah. It was so great. Like just somebody random, like, hi, let's talk. It yeah. <laughs> 
it was a good time. So um, also, yeah, just loved hearing your new stuff, your original music, and I Thank cannot you. wait to hear uh, what you've got coming up. And you I'll, can count on it. We'll have you back. Yeah, believe me, I can't wait for you to hear it either. It'll just be a... <laughs> Believe me. (laughs) Good, good. Well, keep in touch, Carlos. And uh, again, thank you so much for all your time tonight. It's been such a pleasure to, to get to know you and your music. Likewise. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Carlos Eni, see a playlist, and you can support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of our chat with Carlos on the Level with Emily YouTube channel, and please do subscribe to the YouTube channel so you get all of our new videos of interviews and playlists and stuff. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. Yeah. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com, made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services. Composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel. Level with Emily Reese is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.